Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. A handsome fellow named Justin Young has been supporting independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Justin. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, January 3rd, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chase. Oh, my dear folks, we are definitely going to talk about Tim Cook's letter to his investors that came out yesterday afternoon. There's a lot to say, a lot to parse, a lot to theorize about. Uh, if you hadn't heard, it essentially says Apple going to make less money than it did, uh, than it thought it was going to. Uh, and there's lots of ramifications for that. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Microsoft is adding two new Microsoft 365 subscription bundles starting February 1st for business customers. The Microsoft 365 Identity and Threat Protection Package includes both Microsoft Threat Protection plus Microsoft Cloud App Security and Azure Active Directory for $12 per user per month. The second one is the Microsoft 365 Information Protection and Compliance Package, including Office 365 Advanced Compliance and Azure Information Protection Services for $10 per user per month. Volume discounts will be available for both bundles as well. Google confirmed that automatic spam protection in the default Android Messages app is rolling out to some users. The app, which is opt-out by default, will analyze messages that are sent to you in order to detect and proactively block spam messages. Google temporarily collects and temporarily stores phone numbers in order to analyze the data, but doesn't store message content. However... Google support site says that if a user chooses to manually report a message as spam, then the full contents of the message will be sent. Evan Blass posted a photo of the Beyond One variant of what is expected to be Samsung's Galaxy S10 with a hole punch display for a lone selfie camera. Blass is usually good at this stuff, so we tend to believe when he posts them. The only thing left in the bezel, if this is true, are the speakers. And the belief is that this 5.8-inch phone will have one camera on the front, two on the back, while a 6.7-inch Beyond Two variant would have two cameras on the front, three on the back. There's also talk of a cheaper 5.8-inch one being called Beyond Zero 
and a 5G-capable 6.7-inch phone called Beyond X. We'll likely find out from Samsung what all this actually is around Mobile World Congress, which is at the end of February. Also, right before the show, Apple was ordered to stop selling iPhone 7s and 8s in Germany while Apple appeals a patent ruling against it. Qualcomm paid the 1.3 billion euro bond required in order to enforce that order. We knew this was coming, but now it has happened. All right, before we get to that Apple investor letter, let's talk a little about a Chromecast bug. Well, you're right, Tom. A bug in Chromecast discovered by security researcher Bishop Fix in 2014 lets an attacker reset any Chromecast it, uh, it can access to default mode, thus allowing the attacker to control it. Some hackers have used that bug in combination with a UPnP to access thousands of Chromecasts and display a warning that they are insecure. Turning off UPnP would prevent this remote method, but would still leave Chromecasts vulnerable to anyone within range of the device itself. Kind of nice of a hacker of all the things you might do to just display something saying, hey, this is insecure. The same guys who did the printer hack. If you remember back at the end of November, there was a printer hack where they were going in and printing out printouts like, hey, your printer's insecure. You might want to look into that. (laughs) It's still probably a successful hack if we're we're, uh, defining them. Okay, well, so don't allow hackers into your living room and then you're fine. Did Yes, exactly. I mean, what bugs me about this is UPMP uh, making people aware that it's open and getting them to turn it off is something of a public service. I'm not sure how altruistic these folks are. They're also promoting PewDiePie in their messages, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is this is definitely going to raise some awareness about it. And you should turn off UPNP unless you have a very specific reason to leave it on. Uh, but Google is saying, oh, well, that's that's all there is to it. And the fact is this bug that's been around for five years now... Yeah. is something that Google should mitigate, something that Google should squash. Because even if it's, like you say, limited to the hacker in your living room or sitting in the car outside, uh, while that's not as much of a, of a problem, it could also turn into other bugs. And, and it's serious. They should, they should kill it. This is something that should be uh, addressed immediately. And it, it, to be honest with you, kind of makes me wonder how much of a serious eye Google has toward the Chromecast in general. <clears throat> like if they're not prioritizing what is, you know, a lower risk surface for them, a company that is generally good at being ahead of security issues. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like, like Google yeah. has a fairly elite security team. Right. These are things that they take very seriously because they are so server dependent and they are, are you know, they, they move in data. So they need to protect that. That's the golden goose. So if in hardware, let's understand that they don't exactly, that's not really what makes them the, the vast majority of money. Then beyond that, what is the subsect? What is the, how much attention is the subsection of Chromecast getting? Yeah. Uh, it's a, that's a really good point. Uh, it, I don't, although it's been, it's been five years. It's not like they got rid of Chromecast. They've updated it since then. They just haven't fixed the software flaw. Fix it. Sure. Oh, yeah, I, I'm a good degrees. Yeah. Let's talk about smart glasses. Woo. And it's not it's not Google Glass. In fact, uh, a company called Vuzix uh, Blade smart glasses are now available for pre order. They have a floating display similar to Google Glass, although it's all the way on the on the right side of your eye, uh, rather than kind of in the corner the way Google Glass used to be. Uh, Amazon's voice assistant, you know her name, has compatibility, although early reviewers 
didn't have that. They had a, a pre-release version of the software. Google Assistant is apparently on the way as well. The Blade's designed to work with your smartphone, although it does have Wi-Fi connectivity if you didn't want to pair it to your phone for whatever reason. But it only comes in one style, at least for now. Blade OS is proprietary. It's based on Android. And the navigation uses the touchpad on the glasses right side to swipe and tap around. It has a built-in 8-megapixel camera, can take photos and also record video. There is a red light indicator that will let the world looking at you know if your camera is on and in use. The Blade starts shipping at the end of the month for $1,000. Nicole Lee over at Engadget had a real nice write-up about what's good and bad about the device. And she did say, yeah, if Amazon's assistant was something that I could actually use, that might uh, prove uh, why they're better than her initial takeaway. But what she did say, and this is going to be an issue for any pair of glasses we're talking about. Google Glass had this issue. Uh, Snap uh, lenses have this issue. And she said the glasses just didn't look that good on her. They fit okay. They looked better on certain faces more than others. But she said, yeah, this is just not something that I would want to wear. They look like 3D glasses you get at a movie theater. Yeah, they kind of they're, they're do. Bulky. They're bulky. I mean, yeah. bulkier than that. I mean, I'm just saying in terms of the shape, I think it's a fairly masculine uh, or, or futuristic kind of shape. So if you are going for something that is fairly angular, then uh, if that's your style, then you might be more interested in it than if you like things that are a little bit more rounded. And look, uh, uh, eyewear is something that is very fashion conscious. Uh, and it was part of the reason why Google Glass was was not there in in the in the review. Did, uh, was there a mention on, on what battery life is for pictures and videos? Because that was another gigantic drawback on what Google Glass was. Well, one of the, I, I don't recall the battery life, but one of the gripes was you could take a bunch of video and photos, but there's not a really easy way to get that onto my computer from the glasses. I don't know. I feel like smart glasses, while cool, and there, there sounds like a, a lot of cool things about uh, what Vuzix is doing and the company's been putting together smart glasses for some time now, is just that the wearables, the smartwatches, I mean, that's such a big market now that there's so much less of this need of, oh, if I want to be hands-free and keep my phone in my pocket or my purse, this is the thing that I'm going to be using to be able to have an AR experience with the world. Ah, smart wearables on your wrist. That, that's, that's been going pretty well for people. Hold, hold on, though. Vuzix has been, is not new to this. That's one thing yeah, to keep right. in mind. They've been doing this for 10 years. They're an enterprise-focused company. And this is them saying, hey, uh, for the workplace, not just a specific medical or industrial use, maybe yeah. these, these would be good for that. It's, it's sort of testing the waters. I, I, I think it's easy to dismiss these as another Google Glass. They're not. They're, they're an outgrowth of what Google Glass also still is. Everyone forgets it. Nicole even forgot it in this article. Google Glass is still in existence and sold in the enterprise. It's trying to say, hey, instead of a big bulky gaming set being the future of AR, maybe something that helps you with notifications is it. And and like you said, Sarah, it's a big full screen uh, rather than just a tiny little thing up in the upper right, which is what the first generations of Google Glass were. Well, sure. Yeah. The enterprise is, is certainly a market for something like this. Uh, and and as you mentioned, Vuzix has been around for a while. I've uh, been working on a lot of this technology for some time. For the consumer market, which is which is what the Engadget's review uh, was focused on, it sounds like it's it's there's still that, do I want this on my face? Does it look right? Is it too much? Uh, is it too futuristic? Is that red light going to freak everybody out? The way music cares about that mass audience, though they 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 want to give it to not. a more 
more practical businessy use, which may not care as much. I don't know. I may be wrong. Here's, here's the, one, the one thing I will say real quick about the consumer element. Pictures and video. Pictures and video that uh, upload automatically to the cloud. The best camera you have is the camera that you can take the fastest picture with. If it's already on your face, I don't know why that there's not there. Well, I do. It's battery and storage. But that's, to me, I think, the, the breakthrough there. Yeah, uh, this is this is not the only one out there. North, we talked about North back in November. Uh, they not quite as feature-filled as Vuzix, but we're going to keep seeing these incremental steps. I don't think Vuzix is it. But it's moving us towards it. 9to5Google found a change to Android's Garrett source code management with a readme file that explains that Google's Fuchsia OS will use a specially designed version of the Android runtime to be able to run Android apps. Now, it's unclear whether the special runtime will replace Android's Linux kernel calls with calls to Fuchsia's Zircon kernel or instead create a Linux virtual machine using Fuchsia's virtual machine system, Machina. For those of you who don't care about all that, though, the bottom line is whenever Google does decide to roll out Fuchsia devices, they'll be able to run Android apps. Apps. And definitely looks like Google wants Fuchsia to be its everything OS of the future. And we all are going to love it, right? Yeah, man, I'm pumped. 2019, year of the Fuchsia. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if we'll see an announcement about it at, uh, at, at I.O., uh, at least some sort of developer announcement to say, yeah, you know, we've been kind of cagey about Fuchsia, but here's what it is. I don't think we'll see device announcements quite yet. Uh, yeah. I'd be a little surprised at that, but but I think we'll hear them start to talk about it because I, I think they do want to replace Android and uh, Chrome OS with it eventually and having it run Android apps. That's one of the things that makes Chrome OS usable is being able to run the Android apps. And, and that would be, that this is an essential step for it. Yeah, and and this would be a good time to get into it, right? Uh, get get developers thinking about it, playing with it, uh, uh, having you know some sort of access to what the future would look like. Yeah, for sure. Hey, why don't we wait for CES to announce things? Oh no, my friends, that's what LG just said to you. They say that's for chumps. In fact, LG announced an eighty-eight inch seventy or Z nine OLED TV with eight K upscaling. Uh, it is the 8K 75-inch SM99 run on LG's second-gen Alpha 9 processor, which supposedly determines the best visual output. Amazon Voice Services also joins Google Assistant in the TVs, both of which work with LG's Think AI. Yeah, LG, man. Uh, this is their new tradition. They've been doing this for years now. Uh, and, and, and they even had one earlier in December. We're like, this is, this is what we're going to talk about. We might, they might, I think ThinQ was the one thing they talked about on stage last year, Sarah, if I remember right, that yeah. they hadn't announced everything already. It, 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 it definitely was last year because we spent a whole show saying, is it think or thank <laughs> you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and look at the keynote again to see what they said. I think we were all wrong, but uh, okay. 88 inch. I don't have a wall big enough for that. Uh, 8k upscaling. <laughs> well, my eyes aren't even very good anymore, but <laughs> if I had the money, I'd still want one. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm just glad that CES is getting TVs. It's been too long. Yeah. yeah I... Finally, finally. LG. Well, uh, look, I I mean, uh, obviously we can kind of make the jokes here. I'm sure everybody here, except for me, that's going to CES can practice their stock CES jokes about, you know, the kind of things that are always there and the kind of announcements that always happen. It's hard to kind of put it into context until you see the rest of the competition. But Tom, where do you think this as an omen points to where the competition will be? Yeah, uh, well, we're going to see a lot of 8K talk. 
Uh, that's going to be the new talk is AK and AK upscaling seems like one of the, one of the frequent uh, gambits that we'll see people with like, Hey, yeah, there's no 8k content, but we'll take that 4k content and we'll make it 8k. And everyone yeah, who has any sense will go, why would I need to do that? Uh, cause that's not 8k's benefit. We, we can't even, like you said, Sarah, we can't even see the pixels. So, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to watch that happen, but yeah, we're, we're going to see a lot of, a lot of 8k talk in the TV world. We're going to see a lot of 5g, everything. We're going to see a lot of voice assistant, everything. So two out of three of the, of the big trends there, uh, in this LG announcement. And also, I mean, was it was it was it this year, or will it be this year, or was it also last year? The idea of the the uh, the, the like, hey, let, all the voice assistants can party in this device. Yeah, last year it was Google and everything, right? Everybody, Amazon was was kind of trailing in the announcement department. They got a lot of announcements, but I have a feeling it's going to be neck and neck between those two this year. Yeah, voice assistant house party. Yeah, because smart voice assistant smart house party. To get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget, folks, you can subscribe to our other show, DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right. Apple issued a letter to investors revising its quarterly revenue down to $84 billion for this. It's their Q1, but it's the fourth quarter of anybody else's year. Not everybody else's, but the, the calendar year. Uh, so it gets a little confusing. They talk about Q1, even though we think of it as Q4. It was the holiday quarter. They had to revise their holiday quarter revenue forecast down. In November, they had forecast $89 billion. Now, $84 billion would be down 5% over last year. It would be the first year-over-year quarterly decline since 2016. The first change to a forecast that Apple has made in more than 15 years. Apple stock market value, of course, tumbled uh, to below $700 million. Uh, back in October, it had peaked at $1.1 trillion, if you remember. In the investor letter, Tim Cook attributed the problem to sales problems in China, including Hong Kong and Taiwan. 20% of Apple's revenue comes from that region. So that is a believable reason. The reason it would be not getting as much revenue from China, slowing phone sales in China, increased competition in China, uh, a decelerating market, China's just generally not doing as economically robust as it has been, a strengthening dollar, and this gets touted as a main reason. I think it's a lesser reason, but it is a reason, the U.S.-China trade dispute which Apple claims reduced traffic to its Chinese stores. A little bit of patriotism, like, hey, maybe I will buy a Huawei after all. Earlier launch of the iPhone XS uh, didn't help, Apple says, because a lot of their sales got moved uh, before the quarter. Supply constraints were blamed. More people replacing batteries instead of upgrading was noted, although that's just part of the general trend of people keeping their phones longer. The other divisions, not iPhone, rose 19%. In a memo obtained by Bloomberg that Tim Cook sent to his employees, he said iPhone activations in the U.S. and Canada set a new Christmas Day record for the company. We expect to set all-time revenue records in key markets, including the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, Western European countries, including Germany and Italy, and countries across the Asia-Pacific region like Korea and Vietnam. So he's trying to calm the employees down, saying, look, we're fine. We're doing great everywhere. It's just China. So, okay, why is this happening? The armchair evaluation is pricing. But there's a good reason for them to be raising the pricing. First of all, it's it's right there with the other top-end phones. Average revenue per u- unit has been rising for Apple. They're also just something that's not going to matter. Longer-lasting phones. Bay Street Research uh, says the phone upgrade cycle has risen across markets from 24 months to 35 months between 2015 and 2018. 
And the other revenue streams have not caught up to the iPhone yet. Uh, the watch ecosystem, that's only a tenth of iPhone revenue. Cars, don't have them. Uh, TV service, don't have it. Smart glasses, not there. R&D has more than doubled for Apple since 2014, but services revenue has not kept pace. While it's rising, it rose $2.4 billion. It's not enough to make up the sales loss of $9 billion. Services make up less than 25% of... Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. iPhone sales. Things like Netflix pulling its in-app subscriptions aren't going to help that. Now, Apple said customers spent a record $1.22 billion in the App Store between December 24th and December 31st. Uh, They also set a record for New Year's Day App Store revenue, but that's just not enough. The other one to note is India is the potential new growth market as China slows down. Its revenue is flat. China, between 2011 and 2012, grew 80 to 90% per year for Apple. India's flat right now in an equivalent period. Pricing is, is an issue in that market because you can find a lot of other cheaper good phones there. Now, longer lasting phones could be good for Apple because it means people stay in the iOS market longer if they have an iPhone, which means they can make more money on services. So I present this to you, Justin and Sarah. Yeah. Apple knew that iPhone sales were going to decline. That's not a surprise to them. And it knows it needs new products and increases services to fill the gap. And it has plans for that. But this unexpected China drop and a slower than expected uptake in sales in India are what's causing this problem. Now, take that and say, okay, is this just a bump in the road for Apple? Or is, or is this, you know, Tim Cook ain't no Steve Jobs. He can't do this. 
I mean, I, I, I hesitate to go the full Monty there because I think that that tends to be a very complicated question and nobody is Steve Jobs. It what make It's what made Steve Jobs Steve Jobs, right? I do think that this might be the end of the days of endless optimism for Apple, that, that this is the end of the yellow brick road. They have been over-reliant on China and, and foreign uh, growth to continue to uh, 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 you know, soften the blow of this market commoditizing of the fact that there are cheaper phones that do increasingly more and more and more of what made the iPhone special. The, this is also, to me, a little bit of a hangover of the fact that there was a super cycle of upgrades for the 10. The 10 was looked at as this is we're going back to the old days where now all of a sudden you get a new phone and it does all these new crazy things. Apple's putting a lot of uh, effort into this 10 year anniversary phone. And now, all right, it's a little bigger. It's a little faster. We're kind of back to where we were before that super cycle. Beyond that, I, I, I think obviously there's you can you can quibble about where we are in terms of the, the, the trade war talk. But I think this is more about where Apple is right now. And I think it's also kind of troubling to say, all right, so now they're going to rely even harder on the the, the, the toll they take in in-app purchases when that seems to have been a barrier for creating some of their uh, making some of their in-home devices like Apple TV and the iPhone. There are now harder barriers to entry for big companies like Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that, where they don't want to pay that toll. That, to me, is is a bad omen. These are cloudy skies for Apple in a way that uh, you know I don't think we have seen in a very, very, very long time. They should have just kept it really hard to replace the battery. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you, Justin. I think. Uh, this was inevitable. Uh, there was a time, oh, I don't know, let's call it five years ago, where uh, yeah, the Chinese market was surging. Uh, the iPhone was, whether or not you wanted an iPhone, it was still seen as this is the fancy phone. This is the expensive phone if you can afford it. Apple has been riding on that for so long. And in the Chinese market specifically, and certainly other markets across the world, there are just phones that are just as nice and people prefer in many cases. Uh, the iPhone is not necessarily this, this, this fancy Porsche of a car or of a phone, you know, like, like a fancy car. Uh, that it that it once was just because there's so much competition uh, with phones that are better and like you mentioned Tom yeah you know if it's a, if it's a Chinese uh, made phone then there might be some of that going on in in China as well as far as the Indian market yeah Apple's got uh, an issue there because uh, the phones are are, are just uh, priced high enough that that they're out of reach for for a big part of the population it's a huge market a huge huge potential market but. I also think that Tim Cook, the points that he's making all seem pretty legit. It doesn't see, sound to me like, oh, Apple, you know, they're really screwing up. He's no Steve Jobs. It's like St Tim Cook has been doing quite well for some time. I mean, let's not forget that just a few months ago, it was the $1 trillion company. So this is, it's troubling because the holiday quarter has historically been so good for Apple and that the quarters, you know, are record breaking uh, year over year, quarter over quarter, but it is embarrassing, really, to have to uh, revise 
something like this. Oh, oh, sweet lord, yeah. And 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 beyond that, this is kind of strike two for from you know market watchers because they previously said that they weren't going to report iPhone, Mac, and iPad unit sales going forward. You know that this is that that there this is the second time that Apple has had to make an announcement that said market wise things are not going to be the way that they used to. And yes, they can compare to their competitors in, uh, you know, Samsung and, and Google that they don't report that they're not Apple. They're not the, the company that made these kind of gaudy unit numbers uh, uh, famous on a level that hadn't been there. All that being said, yes, this might be the end of the yellow brick road for, for Apple, but let's not make the mistake that many people did about Microsoft, you know, uh, uh, 10 years ago and act like they're roadkill now. Yeah. I don't think that this is, this is in any way a sign that Apple is in any kind of serious harm, but I do think that they are shifting into a different phase of of their business life. As BioCal in our chat room says, one bad Apple quarter, don't spoil the whole stock, girl. No. <laughs> uh, well, and, and the, the non-iPhone hardware uh, areas... They're they're just not the a big piece of Apple's overall pie right now. It is still the iPhone. Not so. yet. Yeah. I honestly, I don't think the trade war has as much to do with this as India. Uh, I, in fact, I don't even think the trade war has as much to do with it as just China, as China's economy in general slowing down before there was even a hint of a trade war, uh, and it's slowing down faster than we thought. I think the the trade war part of this a- accelerates it a bit. Uh, but it's mostly China is decelerating faster than everybody expected. This is hitting Samsung too. And Samsung isn't having a trade war. Uh, so Samsung and Apple are in the position of Nokia and BlackBerry and history is against them that, Hey, you know what? Huawei, ZTE, Xiaomi, uh, the Vivo, those are the Apples and Samsungs of 10 years ago. And unless you do something really innovative, you're going to end up like Nokia and BlackBerry. And that's what we're seeing happen in India. India is where Apple should be growing to make up for a declining China, even if it does decline faster. And it's flat. Uh, and that's not a good sign for them. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Always a good sign to see all of you in there voting on stories and submitting your own. You can go to dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and join the party. You can also hang out on Facebook if you like. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow is where to find us there. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Uh, this one comes it's from... It's anonymous. The person requested to remain anonymous. Okay. Anon says, just listening to episode 3439, that was yesterday's show, and the impression I got from Tim Stevens is that the state of EV competition for 2019 is still up in the air at the moment. That's exactly how I've been feeling as a brand new EV driver. I was lucky enough to receive my 2019 Jaguar I-Pace in mid-December, took it on its first road trip over the holidays because of the lack of real alternatives to Tesla until this year. I'm not sure if some of the issues I've met are quirks of the industry quirks of the company were just problems that need to be looked at in the shop. As a consumer, one major issue I've noticed while traveling, the lack of standardized charging stations. While apps map out a large number of charging stations on your route, the majority of these are level half providing AC electricity. Some of these are listed charging stations, but they're really just outdoor outlets. The Tesla and non-Tesla divide is also reminiscent of the Apple-non-Apple situation, where you need separate systems and adapters to track or use certain Tesla stations. Since this sounds like a commercial, electric options are really starting to pick up this 
this year. I'd love to know if any of the audience members have inside information or just some hot takes on the technology and the EV ecosystem in general and how to maneuver in this new space. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody actually knows, uh, let us know. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Also emailed Tim Stevens because uh, we focused so much on the models yesterday. We really didn't talk about the infrastructure. So Tim sent us some further thoughts saying, frankly, Tesla's charging network blows everyone else's out of the water. But over the next two years, that'll change significantly. Electrify America is blowing up in a big way next year, funded largely by VW. And they're putting a raft of high speed and standards based chargers in places like Home Depot and Walmart. I hope they'll catch up and perhaps even surpass the supercharger network because I'm always rooting for the non-proprietary solution. For today, though, the big question is, how far do you really need to go? A good way to think of this is, how often would you need to stop for gas if your car was always topped up for you every morning? For most people, the answer is a couple times a year at most. So then it becomes a question of whether there are chargers along the route to where you need to go, and that varies hugely based on locale. Here in New York, there are fast chargers on nearly every major highway rest area. Most states, though, are not so lucky. Thank you, Tim, for the follow-up. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks to Justin Robert Young for being with us this beautiful, fine Thursday. (laughs) I almost said Friday. Feels like Friday. I don't know what day it is. Uh, Happy New Year to you and let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Well, I'll tell you what. You want to hear a little bit more about the trade war? Well, you can listen to my politics podcast, the Politics, Politics, Politics. But I got a little night attack uh, Hmm. plug for you guys because on January 22nd, uh, uh, Brian and I will be releasing our new comedy album. Uh, It is going to feature the music of one of the most talented people that I have ever had a chance to come across. In, in all my wanderings on the internet, a man by the name of Stephen Cogswell, for over three years, after every single episode, he makes a song using our audio from that episode, and we are finally going to give him his just due by putting his best work on an album. It's going to be released on January 22nd. You're going to hear me talk about it quite a bit because uh, we really, really, really want this thing to hit the Billboard comedy charts he has worked so hard for literally no money this is the least that we could do so uh, more info on that as we go forward but january 22nd circle it on your calendar got it done awesome uh folks if you are not a member of dtns uh or if you let your membership lapse now's a good time to get back in uh everybody who stays with the patreon at their particular tiers for three months starting january 2nd at the highest levels will get merchandise with lens five-year anniversary art on it uh co-executive producers and analysts get a sticker advisors get a poster and master level folks get a mug uh so if you've been thinking about raising your pledge now'd be a good time to do that or if you join you might want to join in at one of these uh levels that gets you the cool len peralta stuff again if you are already a member if you don't change your tier uh three months from january 2nd and if you're a new member three months from the day you join as long as you stay at that tier without changing it and uh don't forget you can always get dtns stuff at daily tech news show.com slash store you can also always give us feedback our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com keep it coming we love reading them and sometimes looking at those pictures that you send we're live monday through friday at 4 30 p.m eastern 21 30 utc and you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live back tomorrow talk to you then This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. 
Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.